0: This is Pod Populi, podcast for the people.
1: Hello and welcome to The Franchise Life. I am your host, Stacey Shannon. Today we are digging into a franchise concept called Bloomin' Blinds. And with me as my special guest, we have Kelsey Stewart, who is the CEO of Bloomin' and Blinds, and Bert McGavick, who is a franchise owner of Bloom and Blinds in Northwest San Antonio, Texas. Welcome, gentlemen.
0: Thank you for having me. Thanks, Stacy. Appreciate
1: yeah. you having us on. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, Kelsey, there's no better person to give a two minute pitch on what Bloom and Blinds is than the CEO of the brand. So <laughs> what is your elevator pitch on Bloom and Blinds?
2: Okay. Uh, so we're, we're in the window covering business. You know, Generally, that means things that cover up the windows. So blinds, shades, shutters, drapery. Uh, we actually do a decent amount of work outside the house on exterior shades like the shades that cover up patios and things like that and in our primary focus or the, the, the industry's primary focus is the measure and installation of new products and that certainly is a major function of what we do uh, but bloom and blinds has a unique differentiation in the fact that we also do repairs so we can take a window covering product that we installed or somebody else installed and repair it at the house when the bulk of our industry has zero interest in it. So we have this unique, you know, separation and uh, and specific- or speciality. We have a unique specialty in our in our industry. Um, you know, beyond the widget and what we do, uh, we are a family company. There's no doubt about it. This thing was started by my mom. It's currently ran by three brothers who have kind of gone from family business to franchise. Um, and we really are a business that works and treats and loves on each other just like a family does. Um, most of our franchise owners are owner-operators, whether they are a single person in a van and there's just one van on the road, and some of them scaled up, like Burt to where there's multiple vans on the road. So it's a business that you kind of have the flexibility. If you want to keep it small, you certainly can do that. If you want to scale it up, this is definitely a business that has enough volume to do that as well. Um, we've got a lot of great things going for us in the fact that we don't have real estate we don't have inventory uh, cash flow management's fairly easy because we get 50% deposits for most of our work up front and so you have a lot of those boxes that get that that need to get checked by a lot of people uh, in terms of controlling overhead and the complexity of, of the business itself um, so,
1: so Bloom and Blinds, it's a home services business, uh, no brick and mortar required. This is a business model that uh, a franchisee can manage and run out of their home. Uh, what about inventory? Do you, I mean, it's a blind company, so there's a product, I mean, associated with it. Do you? Do your franchisees carry any product or need storage for The product?
2: We don't. Everything is made just in time. So the products uh, that our customers pick out and ultimately we are ordering for them, those are made on demand by our manufacturers and delivered to us within, you know, depending on the time of the year or the factory, one to three weeks in most cases. And so once it's ordered, then we come back and install it. But it's made specifically for the customer's window, which means we don't carry any inventory at all.
1: That's fantastic. So let me ask you this, Kelsey, and Bert, I'm excited to get to you to hear about your experience with Bloom and Blinds. But prior to doing so, uh, in in my role or my business as a franchise consultant, I work with individuals day in and day out who are exploring concepts. And in the home services space, there really are... A lot of options out there that have similar attributes, but uh, nuances or competitive advantages like you just mentioned, Kelsey, where uh, Bloom and Blinds also is in the repair business, which is a huge differentiator for you. But, um, and, you know, it's important for individuals also who explore franchise ownership to understand that it's a mutual discovery process as they are reviewing multiple brands for potential investment, the franchisors are also evaluating them because you have certain attributes that you want your franchise owners to instill. So what does your ideal candidate look like? What are you looking for when you extend a uh, the opportunity to an individual to invest in bloom and blinds and become a small business owner, what attributes are, are you wanting them to, to have?
2: Yep. And I think attributes is the great word to talk about because it's not shape, size, color, gender. It's, it's not about what you look like. It's about your mentality, um, your fortitude and your grit and your appreciation for a system. Uh, in the early days, when we first launched the franchise, we brought in purely entrepreneurial individuals. Uh, that's who we are, and we're entrepreneurs by nature. And so we brought in people who looked and, and thought just like us. And through that process, we, we came across some really great owners, but we, we really found that there was um, a lack of appreciation for an established business practice because they're entrepreneurial. They want to take a square peg and turn it into a circle. Like that's just their nature. And I can understand that. That's my nature. Um, And then uh, over time and through the seven years that we've been a franchise, we've come to understand that we want some of that entrepreneurial mindset because that's the, that's the trailblazers. Those are the people who have a little bit higher risk tolerance and want to create their own world. But we also need somebody just like Bert, who has a real affinity for systems and processes, and they look at those as a person, a point of strength instead of a personal limitation. Um, so, from that regard, that's a really important thing in any franchise system, whether you're buying an ice cream shop or a window covering company. Um, the second part, and we spend a lot of time trying to talk candidates about this, is um, what we, the kind of the achiever status or the achiever nature. Um, I've, I've come to discover a trend, and I call it momentary ambition. The point in which we meet a franchise candidate, they've probably been at this discovery process for, for a couple months. They begin to kind of get hyped up about it. Maybe people in their world are encouraging them, or you know, they, they get excited. And by the time I meet them, they're at an elevated level of ambition, normally. And we've had to learn that that is not necessarily who they are when the dust settles. Once the training's over, the agreement's signed, back home and time to meet the, the rubber on the road. So we began to look for any level of achievement in the past, things that have set themselves apart, whether it be on the corporate ladder or whether it be training for a half marathon. It, it could have been anything like, can you work for delayed gratification because business is working for delayed gratification. And we like to see that in their past because that's going to help us understand how successful and and how much enjoyment they're going to find out of being a business owner. And so it's not even relative to just pulling the blinds. It's just, let me protect you in making this choice to make sure that you're going to enjoy being out on your own, not not on your own. You're still in a franchise system, but you're running a business. Um, And so those are some of the traits that we look for when we're evaluating franchise candidates.
1: So, fortitude, grit, achiever mentality, and, you know, I love uh, your term, delayed gratification. Uh, Being a business owner myself of several businesses, it, it absolutely, things do not happen overnight. Success is not built overnight. So, having the back to your word, the fortitude to go through the ups and downs and weather the, the storms and take the time to build the business to where you want it to be, um, you know, that that is absolutely very important. So, all right, Bert, it is your time to shine because I, you know, when I looked at your background, um, here you are, so... You have been a franchise owner of Bloom and Blinds uh, since June of 2019, but prior to that, you were in the railroad industry. Yes, so Bert, I was. how does somebody make a transition from the corporate world being in the railroad industry to being a small business owner of Bloom and Blinds?
0: Well, that's that's a good question. Uh, for me personally, um, I think the timing for us was a transition time where the railroads were making significant operational changes. Uh, we felt like that that was a good time for us to retire, and I was still young enough to want my own business. I grew up in a family where both my Both of my parents were business owners as well as regular job owners. So uh, my grandmother was a a business owner. She made custom draperies for 54 years in St. Louis, Missouri. So um, my aunt was a business owner. So it just kind of, like Kelsey, it came to me by nature uh, within ourselves because we were born in it. Uh, It's just that the transition from a corporate paycheck to having to uh, generate one from on my own. Um, there was a there was a, a gap there that I didn't know how to bridge. And uh, Kelsey can tell you, it, it took us quite a while when we were we knew we learned to uh, uh, have our own business. Um, but with the railroad, I I moved twice from the very first conversation we had. So we were in go Rio, Texas at the time uh, when the initial meeting happened. We moved to Grand Junction, Colorado, and um, where it was out there, and then uh, changes on the railroad started happening. I called Kelsey back, and uh, we started talking again, and it just felt um, <laughs> so. That's what we did, um, and uh, I. Some things that you were saying and what Kelsey was saying, the fortitude, uh, I knew I had all of those aspects, but naively, I didn't know. I really didn't know that. Um, I just knew that what motivated me to get up every morning was to, one, make a difference in somebody else's life and to be a part of a business that had the same values and the core values that I was raised in, and uh, number three had a had a, a structured plan because I'm I'm a structured guy. I get up, I make my to do list, <laughs> and I attack them off uh, one by one. And uh, I, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed when it comes to being creative and having my own idea. I just wanted a playbook that I could follow. Uh, but not only that, but was a, a business model that wasn't a me too. Um, Believe me, during the evaluation of uh, other franchises, I mean, there's only so many ways that you can make a Subway sandwich or there's only so many ice cream flavors that you can serve up. Um, There's the seasonal businesses that have the rise and fall. And what Janie and I were looking for was an opportunity uh, to be part of an industry that uh, there is a lot of competition. But where the difference maker was for us was being a part of something that had the difference maker. And in, in this case, uh, Kelsey touched on it, is that we do repairs. Um, and that's what started us uh, falling in love with Bloom and Blinds. You know, we, we took a while to make our decision just because of some of the things that we were a part of. But once we did Man, I'm telling you, uh, you talk about landing in a place like Dallas, Texas that, um, it w- was family oriented. And we felt that. We felt that from, uh, meeting the, both the brother all three of the brothers, um, uh, during our, our discovery day. Um, we felt a family environment, um, and, <laughs> even though that it is it has evolved into something completely from where we started from to where it's at today. Unbelievable um, uh, paradigm shift. But the thing that I still so much love about this company is that when not only are we on first name basis, but when we gather as a company, which we did just a few months ago, uh, we called it Family Reunion. And some people that I've never met before, I felt like that I knew them. I, I felt like I was part of their family. So that that's what, what the difference maker was for us when we finally uh, uh, climbed that tree and started stepping off on that branch <laughs> <laughs> to wean us off of that corporate paycheck. <laughs> And, uh, and and get out on our own, Bert. What
1: uh, what percentage of your business is uh, new blind installation versus repairs? Uh, that's a good
0: question because I asked that during our vetting process of of Bloom and blinds, and Kelsey uh, took us back to the recession time of two thousand seven, and eight, and nine. He explained to us that the paradigm shift of the economy affected how the revenue was generated. And at that time, I believe the figures were something like um, a 70-30 repair opportunity versus new sales. And then as the company evolved out of the recession, that scale kind of tipped back to a 60% new sales, 40% repairs. Um, so, uh, we, we felt like that was a concrete answer to go into that because honestly, today my business, even though there is the drums of recession beating now and then projected into our future, my business right now is, is about an 80% new sales and 20% repair. Um, the thing that we pride ourselves in at uh, uh, bloom and Blinds is that, yeah, I was gonna talk about our competition.
2: <laughs> but, <laughs> I saw it. Yeah,
0: so the, the difference maker is, is that we have technology in place that uh, the corporate office has invested very heavily into. One of those um, pieces of software it does a lot of tracking and reporting and coming from the corporate world where business um, it rises and falls on the tides of numbers, bottom line numbers. And I'm so used to that, that having that tool for me helps me gauge uh, where our business comes from. Uh, One of the things that we're able to track uh, on a surface level is the amount of repair calls that we go out on that we anticipate to be anywhere from a hundred to two hundred dollars, And that turns into a six, seven thousand dollar new sale. Wow. Um, that's that's again. Let me kind of point that back out. That's the difference maker, Stacy. It's not waiting around for a new opportunity to fall in our lap when we have the surface capability, the service capability to go into someone's home and protect their initial investment. But here's here's three of my favorite words while I'm repairing a blind is from Mrs. Jones that uh, invites us into her home and she's asked us to repair a blind and she says, oh, by the way, while you're here... And 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 I just know my ears perk up because it, it leads us into that opportunity where I don't have competition and we're able to close a lot more business when we have that avenue. Um and there's not too many models out there, business models that are set up like that. Yeah, um that's, so
1: that's that's so where interesting. That's the I hadn't, yeah, I hadn't given that consideration in in that being the repairs, in essence, being almost a lead magnet that will, could result in a new sale or a new customer sale. So, very interesting. Okay, Bert, so you are an owner-operator. You've mentioned you fix blinds yourself. Um. What does your what does the landscape of your territory look like? How many territories do you have? And how do you and your wife split the responsibility uh between the two of you in the business?
0: Uh great question. Um uh Kelsey has told me that my territory is equal to 6. Oh my. Um, When we became part of the Blumen family, uh, territories were awarded differently then. But um, as it shaped up, um, we, I'm old school. While you can Google a lot of things, there is still nothing like being in the middle of feeling the heartbeat of a city. Um, So while we were making the transition, we came to San Antonio and spent a week. And we basically mapped out our territory and we, we basically took it to Kelsey and Kelsey said, okay, no problem. Here you go. Good luck. We'll see it at training in that. Um, so have, having done that now, uh, I don't know that I would have picked such a large territory, but our territory that we are responsible for is, has got about 1.3 million occupied households. So we are very active. Uh, we work in a very large metropolitan area. And the, the responsibility, it, it, again, I, w- I want to go back to that tracking, is that we while we collect 50%, we're also able to track in a 45 to 55-day period what we did 45 days ago, I could wake up today, and I could look back on my calendar and say, "Oh, I closed those uh, those two sales, and I'm expecting deliveries this week." So the uh, the quicker my money turns over, the quicker that my profit margins are realized, and uh, we're able to forecast better growth quicker. Now, Kelsey kind of mentioned to you that. It can be as small as you want it to be, um, but I didn't come in to make it small or be small. Uh, I, I'm never... My background doesn't reflect that. Uh, I've spent most of my life in sales, and it wasn't the little onesie twosie, let me sell you this left-handed widget, and I've got a couple of ob- options that I can add to that widget if you want to. No, I chased big elephants, and that was basically my career. And while the repair side affords me to be part of the scaling process, there are those big elephant sales out there because we still have a strong home building market here that yeah. people are still buying homes, unlike some parts of the other country. I've I've not felt that hit yet. It might be coming, but knowing of our business model, we're going to weather through it fine. So I'm the face of the franchise. Um, when we get appointments, we go out and we talk to customers. And, and Janie, she's, oh my gosh, she's the backbone of our company. Um, she takes care of all of our back office. She schedules the installation. She gathers the, um, the deliveries and, and makes sure that they, they've arrived in time. And she interacts with the customers behind the scenes. But that's not the way we started. Sure. Day one, she was riding around in the van with me. And on day one, we had five appointments. And so wow. I will tell you that even though the way we started in 2019 to where the new franchisees are coming in right now, the ramp up process for us was slower than it is for the new franchisees in a better way. And let me tell you that when I, I, one of the things that I needed when I was vetting franchises, I asked the question and I asked Kelsey this several different ways, um, to verify his answers and to verify the company, um, uh, building blocks. And that is my phone going to ring day one. And he said, yes. Um, and there are different versions of that question, but the answer was always yes.
1: Wow, that's so a pretty strong commitment to it
0: make. Is, it <laughs> is. I had twenty-two appointments my first week in business.
1: Oh my God! Granted, they
0: were mostly all repair calls. However, it did lead us into some of our newer sales, and so again, we go back to that business model. One, is my phone going to ring day one? The answer to that is yes. Especially now the way that they have it set up um, with the different lead sources that will get your phone ringing. In fact, I've talked to some other franchisers and they've said that um, they were getting phone calls. Now that we have a call center, um, these phone calls started coming in the, the second week of training. So they're setting appointments so when the owners go back on Friday after their last day of training, they get to take a breath on Saturday, they get to take a deep <laughs> breath on Sunday, and then they load up in the van Monday morning and they're hitting the ground running. Wow. So that's not me trying to sell anything. No. That's verified things. That's verified business plans.
1: That's that's fantastic. So let me, Kelsey, let me bounce back to you then. Uh, because Bert has expanded upon uh, you know, several of the support aspects of Bloom and Blind. So he's mentioned a call center, uh, he's talked about lead generation. So talk to me about that level of support that a new franchise owner today. So Bert came in early on in uh, in the franchise system model. He's had his business for three and a half years. For somebody investing today, what, is, what support are they going to receive from Bloom and Blinds?
2: <coughs> that may take more than one podcast episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, just at a high level.
2: <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, so at, at the foundation, we're founder-led. So you have three brothers who have literally stood in tens of thousands of living rooms. So, you know, we did this for 17 years before we built the franchise. So, everything we do and everything we build for franchise owners comes from a real depth of knowledge. That, there, that there's always that, you know, kind of core that guides our path. From a support standpoint, our mentality and our goal is to automate as many of the back end systems as possible so that franchise owners can spend as much time out with their customers solving problems and helping families and so one of the most recent ones for touched on was our national call center that's an in-house call center here in dallas they're in my office like literally they're 30 feet away from me right now and those are people who are here every day and they speak the window covering language they're not just live voicemail and they can take appointments they can move uh, i'm sorry they can take incoming marketing calls so they're the catching all the customers they're setting appointments for our franchise owners they can make modifications to scheduling and things like that it's like having an office person um but we made it extraordinarily affordable so it's not a burden on the franchise and they're here from central time from seven in the morning till 8 p.m monday through friday so we're catching as many calls as possible because that's like the number one rule in home service is answer the phone right okay so we fixed that problem um Bert also mentioned technology. We have infused a massive amount of technology. You, you could almost say that we're a tech company that occasionally gets out of the van to sell some blinds. Um, there is technology in everything we do from, from birth to death, um, from the scheduling system and the notifications the customers get uh, to the fact that they get to watch us drive to their house just like an Uber driver.
1: Interesting. Um,
2: we are the only company in the U.S. that uses a window-covering visualizer. So with augmented reality, we can take our iPads and show you what your purple Roman shades are going to look like on your dining room windows before you commit to it. Um, That's unique for us. That's that's another technology differentiator. Um, We're doing our measurements with lasers that Bluetooth into our iPad and our quoting system versus some guy named Earl with a pencil behind his ear. Um, And then our quotes are generated on the spot through that cloud-based quoting system. And so we're not waiting two or three days to deliver the quote on some Excel spreadsheet or a handwritten messy quote. Um, uh, then the orders are sent automatically to the factory. So you don't have to hand-key in your orders with lots of details. that could get mixed up in duplication. It's just a push of a button and off it goes. Uh, and then everything downloads into QuickBooks. Um, so, you know, those that the technology side is a huge part of the infrastructure and the efficiency and scalability of a business. Um, we just launched a coaching program um, where we're circling back with franchise owners to make sure they the new ones launch the right way, or the older ones that want to scale and grow and get past some of those uh, you know learning curve hurdles. That we're walking hand in hand with them to get to their goals. Um, I think you know that, and then and then we've built out a team. You know, when Bert came on, it was just the three of us—just myself and Chris and Kevin—and we had. At one point, we had 52 franchise owners, and there's three people in the company.
1: Oh, my goodness.
2: Uh, in the last 14 months, we are now a team of 17 people uh, with an entire support mechanism where you can always get a hold of somebody, and there's subject matter experts. But the three of us had hit our glass ceiling in terms of service. And we knew that, just like every business owner, you know, kind of comes to those moments. Do you stay where you're at, or do you grow? And as a point of service, we knew we had to grow, so... We went for it. We threw all our chips in and expanded the, the company significantly. So there's there's human support. There's technology support. There's, uh, you know, just a real depth of knowledge support. And it's all meant to help franchise owners have a greater journey in this process.
1: Yeah, I would say I, I, that's fantastic. I love everything you said. And, I you know, it's not often that I see the founders of the company as intimately involved as you've described that you and your brothers are. Uh, So that's really it's and I know Bert you mentioned that was a huge differentiator for you because it felt like a family and the culture was important. So uh, Kelsey what does the investment level look like? So Bert has described you know, his experience and how he and his wife divvy up responsibilities as owner operators of their business. Individuals that I would say nine times out of 10 that I work with today that are looking for an investment are wanting more semi passive because they are more risk adverse and leaving that corporate paycheck behind. So, can you share with me? And I know you mentioned the majority of your investors are owner operators today, but you are receptive to semi-passive, correct?
2: Quite a bit, yes. And, and that we've seen that shift. The same that your candidate pool has changed. So has our incoming franchise profile recently. You know, money was money was dirt cheap for a while, and that made it really easy to you know kind of leap in with some more. Um, some more financial ammunition, if you will. Um, so you really kind of have three different profiles in Bloom and Blunt. So you've got the true owner-operator, just a one-man show, one guy, one van, between territory, set up expenses, working capital. You're probably somewhere in the ballpark of $100,000. Um, then we have the ambitious owner-operator, somebody who wants to become the general manager, but is willing to go do the work and scale it up. So that person's probably coming in buying two or three territories. They may or may not hire an employee right off the bat. Um, and and that investment's probably gonna take you to 175 to two hundred thousand because of the territory difference. Mm-hmm. And and there might be some difference there in an employee on staff right away or not. But that that still potentially could be serviced in the early days by one person, but three territories where the volume is gonna pull you into an employee pretty quick. So like you shouldn't step into that model unless you have an appetite for having employees. Um, and then if you're going to go semi-passive, like somebody who is hiring a general manager and the general manager is hiring t- technicians and the owner of the franchise itself is is one step removed. They're not in the business at all. They're not riding the van. Um, that's a bigger investment because you have to hire the general manager and a technician right off the bat and you have to send both to training we want redundancy to protect the owner in case somebody leaves. And, and then you're at a minimum of three territories to make that model work. So really, between that and working capital, that's a three hundred dollars to $350,000 investment. And we've seen a couple of those come through this year. Um, and we've probably seen more of that general, ma- general manager mindset where somebody's buying two, three territories, but they intend to scale it. Uh, but at the same time, we still have the owner-operators. I have a confirmation day coming on Thursday. And uh, both candidates that are coming are both on just pure owner operators and i honestly think as money tightens up or it gets more expensive we're probably going to swing back to that a little bit more um, but we're open to all we know how to run all three systems we know how to coach and mentor all three kinds of franchise owners and so uh, you know if, if they're willing to represent the brand well and they're they got the hunger for it then we'll love them all kinds
1: Kelsey, I'm going to put you on the spot because this is the question I get asked with a semi-passive investor when they're considering different models. How many hours per week should I plan on if I am a semi-passive owner with a GM in place?
2: If you're truly semi-passive, you are keeping your day job and somebody else is hired to run the company, generally, probably well, once it normalizes, I think early in the early days, you need to be really hands-on to make sure that you're watching your GM and that they know what they're doing. And and some of this is predicated on the quality of your GM and how experienced they are. But once the dust settles and you have a general manager who truly understands their role and what they're doing 10 to 20 hours a week, really, you're I mean, all of the revenue systems are online. They can check that all day long, right? They can check the bank account. They can see how many invoices, how many appointments, what's the revenue look like, so really, your, your your semi-absentee opportunity there is understanding any obstacles or hurdles that your general manager is facing and coaching them through those. The GM is the one running the company. right? So there's very, really, at that point, as a semi-absentee, you're just managing the manager.
1: Right. Okay. Fantastic. Bert, last question for you. You're three and a half years young. You and your wife are all in on this business. You have six, approximately six territories in San Antonio. What does the future look like for you? And what does an exit plan look like? Oh, wow.
0: (laughs) Ironically, Kelsey and I have been talking about this. Um, We currently have uh, four employees. So I've got three total vans uh, now in my territory. I have been gearing up um, to pass on some additional responsibility to one of our uh, lead installers. Uh, I'm grooming him to be the general manager, so I can be less hands-off. I do have an exit plan, um, and it, it just just the pure realization that, you know, I know I you said it, I've been here three and a half years, but it seems like just yesterday I was talking to Kelsey about you know doing a, a benchmark when do I start hiring people and I had already passed that and I because I was had worked so many hours in a previous career, I didn't realize that I could less work less if I had additional resources. so we've been doing that the last two and a half years next year in 2023 we will have reached a a plateau to the point where, Uh, We need to be coached to that next level. I have already been looking at business coaches to find out revenue versus what we're supposed to sell at. uh, And I have a figure in mind that I want to walk away with. What is exciting to me is that Kelsey kind of touched on the mentoring program. And uh, that's all in-house in Blooming Blinds because, again, um, when they started their advertising was driving around in a big panel truck during morning rush hour traffic and evening rush hour traffic and getting phone calls, scheduling appointments. It's not that way anymore. Thank the Lord for that. Um, But here we are in a digital world that creates more opportunities, bigger opportunities, and more frequent opportunities. So as our business uh, uh, scales up, we're able to take a a more uh, hands-off approach to focus on the next phase of our lives, which is probably five to seven years away of our exit plan um, with that figure in mind. Having an in-house mentoring program adds additional value to what we do on a daily basis. So I hope I was direct about that, that, Stacey, because... Again, when your prospective franchise people are looking for businesses to to buy into, uh, it's not just about product service and scalability, but what kind of value does the franchise owner have within the selected franchise system that they have? Um, If they're asking the questions, hey, what can I sell my business for in 10 years? I was there three and a half years ago, and I never got a straight answer. The answer I was given was, it's up to you, Bert.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, okay. not uh, Them not knowing who I was, but me knowing who I was, that was not a good enough answer. Kelsey told me what he sold his his business for. And I was like, that's almost the exact number that I need to walk away from. And so like always, I have to draw on my previous corporate experience and say, okay, we have a mission. What's the plan to get there? It has to be clear, concise, and you have to know the numbers. I tell respective franchises all the time, know your numbers. We're about to get a piece of dashboard software that Bloomin' is going to roll out to us here really quick. That's going to have minute, I mean, figure down to the, to the varied reports that we can draw from that we can say, okay, I need to spend a little more time or money here and less over here sure. all in all to walk away to the end result.
1: I love your energy, Bert. You you are such a, I just love your energy and excitement and passion for the brand. And what a great spokesperson. Um, So Kelsey, uh, on a last note, how many franchisees are in your system today? How many territories sold? And what areas of the U.S. are you really looking to grow in? Hmm, okay.
2: Uh, currently, 64 franchise owners, uh, 105 territories. Uh, the only ones that are not open yet are just waiting for their SBA funding. So there's no big, uh, you know, in the industry, it's the snow number. Uh, since we're not brick and mortar, it's really just zip codes, right? Sure. Um, so basically, all of them are open, for, for the lack of a better term. Um, and then areas of growth. I mean, with with 105 territories across the U.S., we have mapped out over 800 territories.
1: Wow. So we've
2: got, I mean, we've got open space just about everywhere. Um, and so it's those suburban metropolitan areas. Those are our honey goals, kind of what Bert's got in San Antonio. It's the single family homeowners with the upper middle class income um, that have the ability to make discretionary choices because window coverings is discretionary, mm-hmm. right? It's not, you know, Food or shelter or kids' medicine. So um, there's not really uh, a specific where we're available throughout the U.S., um, but that's that's our core is that suburban soccer mom who's driving a Tahoe. You know that kind of that kind of community is where we do the best.
1: All right. Well, gentlemen, Bert Kelsey, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, this was very insightful for me. And Bert, I loved hearing your experience. Kelsey, I mean, you know, it the culture of Bloom and Blinds, the differentiator, um, the support, all of that is fantastic. And it, it really shines through in in Bert's experience as well. So uh, for anybody listening, if you would like to learn more about the Bloom and Blinds Franchise Opportunity, please feel free to reach out to me at stacy at fusionfranchising.com. Thank you so much for joining me and have a great day.